because I always ask them, what would you do in my shoes? If you couldn't get a hold of me, okay, what's the call you're gonna make? Welcome everybody, we are here for another episode of the Builder's Ladder podcast with Mr. Marty Amos and Sean. Sean, what is up? You're our guest today. I won't take your thunder. Can you please introduce yourself? Let the listeners know who you are, where you're from, and what kind of work your business does. Yeah, g'day. Uh, I'm Sean Spillane from SAS Builders. We're a renovation and high-end new build company. We currently have nine of us within the company, and yeah, we're just smashing it to be the next best thing. Yeah. And you're doing a pretty good job of it so far. How, what's your revenue? What's an average contract size? Currently, we're doing around, for the revenue per month, around the 150 to 180,000. Um, Our current contract size, we're pushing into the 500,000 plus mark. Mm-hmm. But at the moment, we're probably sitting around the, the 200,000 uh, contract size. Mm-hmm. Awesome want to set the scene so what's your kind of like minimum margins that you normally target what's the kind of pricing structure that you uh, aim for are you doing fixed price or charge up because you're doing renovation work and what's the minimum margin that you target yeah that's a very hard question there on the minimum margin it, it really differs from every company so we've learned the hard way of where our margin should be by going starting from 10 percent to 15% to to 20% to 25% and then so on. And then working out what job is best for what margin. So essentially we, what we do is we'll take our, pretty much our profit and loss, look at our overhead costs. We pretty much reverse data it. So we look at our overhead costs for that whole year. And then we're like, okay, we need to scale this company. So we need to include and extra overhead costs to allow for the scale. Let's say if it's just a small renovation of X 100,000, okay, how many of those $100,000 jobs can we complete within that month or within that year? And then so if we can complete 15 within that year, and then we're trying to target 1.5 million to 2 million, then we need to try and capture that many per month. Yeah, you make my knees weak because you know your numbers. Yeah, it's, it's a very complicated thing, but yeah, the best thing that we found is the yeah, reverse engineering. A hundred percent. And that's what we always recommend everyone starts with is what are your total overheads? What's your desired profit? So if your desired profit is 500K, total overheads, including your salary, are 300K. We add those yes. two together, we've got 800K. Now, if you only have a target margin of 10%, you're going to have to do $8 million in worth of work. If you got 20%, then we're only got to do $4 million. And if you're at 25%, you only got to do $3.2 million. So knowing that stuff, reverse engineering it, is exactly the right thing to do because you've got clarity and confidence on how many leads you need, what your conversion rate is, and then how many projects at 100, 200, 500K you need to do. And then your profit is uh, factored in. Yes, no, nah, that, that's exactly true, Marty. And then, then we uh, took it one step further with working out what the company structure is going to be at X amount. So if we're doing 
let's say we, we're doing $750,000 worth of revenue and then what we're doing at 1.5, okay, we're doing $5 million worth of revenue. What's the company structure going to be? And then that way we can work out the overheads of that company structure as well. So good. Exactly. Yeah. And you can reverse engineer that based on, hey, if we want to be doing $5 million worth of revenue and we need 10 500K jobs and we have a conversion rate of one out of three, then we need to price 30 jobs during the year that are at that 500K. And we can reverse engineer, well, cool, we might need a full-time QS if we're going to be yes. pricing three jobs a month. You might be able to still do the sales, and but if we're project managing two or three big jobs at one time, three big jobs at one time, we might need a full-time project manager. So you can look at your org chart and know exactly who do you need in your team at two, five, 10 million. So Sean, you got nine guys. You've done a very good job during the program of working on and above the business. So what's the structure of your nine guys, contractors, employees, who are your foremen, who are your project managers, site managers? How do you structure it and how do you choose to, what do you get involved with and what do you stay out of? Yeah, we have an amazing group of guys and ladies in the office as well. Currently, our structure is we've got two foremen, mm-hmm. one project manager, one office manager, one marketing manager, and the remaining apprentices. And our project manager, he is a qualified builder. If he needs to jump on the tools to give a push here and there, then he can jump on the tools and give a push. So yeah, that's our current company structure at the moment. And that's just purely worked out. But our last hire was a marketing manager because with the growth of the company, okay, we need to keep all these people busy. So what do we need to do around that? We need to get SAS out there that pretty mm-hmm. much explained our next hire. Yeah, nice. And what's your role then? What are you looking like doing week to week, month to month? Yeah, I'm mainly focusing on just the work coming in as in just converting the leads, mm-hmm. the sales side of things. Our project manager, we are um, stepping him up into doing some of that work as well. He has been coming along the meetings with me and he's yeah, he's going to be stepping up into the kind of the, the QS and handling some leads as well. It's just a bit of recession planning for if I was to disappear tomorrow, how is this company going to survive? Yeah. And it's a common question that a lot of our members ask when they join. What's the kind of like core growth been like over the last sort of 12 to 18, 24 months? And what do you think are some of the most important systems that you've put in place that have helped you? Yeah, so our goal from a company perspective is to three times every year. And that's purely because the systems that we've used, and that's everything from the building systems to on-site systems to working on the business. One thing, one system I will touch on is I try and allow one day every week that is just purely working on the business. There's no meetings, no, no nothing. And it's just working on the business, working on the systems. If I can't come up with a new system, then generally within those eight hours, I'll work out something by tweaking a little system and be like, oh, that's a way better way of doing it. They coming up with more systems as well on site and in the office and the one that kind of actions those and and implements them. And I pretty much pass them off over to our office manager or our marketing manager to pretty much finalize. Awesome. And where do you go? When you're doing that, do you just do it at home? Do you go to a cafe? Do you lock yourself away somewhere? Yeah, just at home because it's a, a good focus time for me. And that's 
another thing is that we I start work at about five AM in the morning and between five and eight is I get most of my work done for the day because it's just purely focus time. I'm not getting distractions, not getting phone calls, not getting people ring me up about trying to market something to me and yeah, so between five and eight I get quite a lot done in the mornings. And how do you prioritize or how do you figure out what's gonna have the biggest impact? Like what area you should be focused on for the next 30 days and the next 90 days? I guess that I prioritize in a way that, okay, what's going to affect the business the most? Is it going to be the sales? Do we need more work coming in straight away? Or can we hold off and then work on the company? So like the systems from a, a customer perspective. So yeah, it, it's yeah, it is what's going to affect the business the most at the time. If we need, if we were running out of work and we only had a few months left to work, then yeah, all focus will go straight into getting that next converted lead. But if we're looking a year out in work, then okay, let's review all the company system from a customer perspective, and then get let's get the customer engagement better. And like with the natural development of any company, um, and the, the structure of it, like. From the, the roadmap side of things, you've always got to be stepping up yourself and stepping up your guys to that next level because essentially a company won't grow if it's just you growing or a company won't grow if, it, if it's just your guys. So everyone needs to grow. Everyone needs to have that same vision in mind. Yeah, your business growth won't outgrow your personal growth or business knowledge. Mm. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So good, man. What are some of the use, most useful tools, templates, resources that you've managed to put in place that have had the biggest impact for, for your growth? In all honesty, it's probably been team and systems. I'm a very systemized person. I love my systems. I love like our SOP, standard up and procedures. I love that book. It's awesome. Yeah, it's always exciting coming up with a new SOP or something, how it can be done because that essentially gives me peace of mind. The business can run without me being in it because everything can be referred back to and it's just getting everything out of my head and that's the same with our marketing manager our office managers because they know how to do most of that sort of stuff better than what i can do so it's getting it out of their head and getting it into paper so if they went down then someone can pick it up i'll be like oh here's the sop for it mm. it'll be sorted that's actually the second time that you said that now and rings true to me because one of the core beliefs that we've got is that you don't grow your business your team do and you got to empower them because they're a massive point of leverage and opportunity. Mm. How do you get them to document their systems? You got one main document like this SOP folder, or yeah. So we, yeah, we pretty much will have a SOP folder online, but then we have folders in the office as well. Our SOP folders is broken down into admin work, project management work, quantity surveying work, marketing managers work, like, and it's all, everyone has their own separate folder. So they're not just opening a folder and looking through hundreds of SOPs. They can just pick up the folder and be like, okay, let's say the, let's do the accounting work. So let's do all the, the invoicing and things like that. So they can just look up that folder within that booklet, look up, okay, this is how we're going to do our invoicing for this and then essentially it's it's clear as day and it has all the steps the do's and don'ts they're forever a working document as well that's one thing that i'm always big on is an sop has never stopped working because essentially it changes as everything changes having those systems and guardrails allows your team to run faster gives them guidelines and ensures that it's done the same way 
each and every time that you want it done and it lessens you needing to micromanage and have your finger on the pulse. Yes, exactly. And I 100% believe in that and that's why I love my system. You're obviously networking with people. You're building time into your structure to do that. You're trying to become an entrepreneur and that you're going to be running multiple business. What does that look like and what kind of companies are you looking at? So we have three companies at the moment and we've got a business plan for each of them. And our core company, I try not to work on the other companies a lot because our core company, which is the building company, is complementing each one of those companies that we've set up. So what what do you think have been some of your changes that you've gone through as a leader over the last 12 to 18 months? Yeah, honestly, that, that's a massive pl- uh, part in everything. A lot of around the, the stop doing list is stop doing everything. That's obviously a, a huge part. But then there's being able to have those systems set up so you can stop doing everything. Get the stuff out of your head, get it down on paper and pass it to someone and be like, here, yeah. this is how we're going to do it. You can tweak it to however you want. You can improve it. But this is our base structure that we're going to follow for doing this task. And then, yeah, and go from there. And a big part of it has been able to set my time apart as in having one day a week to work on the company, whether it's on SAS or whether it's on the other two. That one day a week is allowing us to be able to grow, be able to have the business plans, be able to yeah, pretty much take it where we are. And also another big thing was is stepping off the tools. I stepped off the tools a couple of years ago. And, man, that's just – it was – it didn't it's obviously took a hit in the revenue straight away but it it all works out you got to look at the short-term losses for the long-term gains yeah massively so what were some of the main milestones or big challenges that you ran up against while you're doing that like i guess it's once you once coming off how do i tackle the getting off the tools i just said to the guys hey look i need to go find work so they've got to step up and oh man they loved it and from there it pretty much just developed i didn't actually go back on the tools once i said to them i was like oh by the way i'm a buy i've got your van you guys are now our builders (laughs) and then i never went back on and i started developing the company the next milestone for me was getting an office manager essentially the office manager can run everything in the background so i can do what i need to do which was obviously implement all the growth strategies within the company and the, the SOPs getting them all sorted as well. But then we're like, okay, we've got an office manager now. Okay, we need to be able to afford this overhead. So then what do we do? We need to hire some more guys on the ground to be able to afford these overheads. And it just keeps evolving like that. Now that you've got a marketing manager, you've got to get someone. Now you've got a project manager, you've got to be able to cover those overheads each time you do it. And a huge thing for me when I come off the tools, the mindset change was massive. Reading the right books, being around the right people, and it, it's yeah, it's a, it's a huge thing to be able to be able to switch your mind just from going night seven thirty to five on site, building every day, to then coming into the office and pretty much controlling your own time. Mm, huge. What have been some of the key books that have helped, or key trainings, resources that have help level up your mindset Uh, yeah the first book that i ever read around the mindset thing was the robert kiyosaki one and that was rich dad poor dad and then i read the three four i think it's three after that as well in that Mm -hmm. series and then the another good thing is atomic habits 
and then who not how another thing i found very important is actually scheduling time to actually read those books and focus and because otherwise for me it will never have happened because i've always got something to do everyone knows on your schedule okay this is my reading time this is my health and fitness time and then yeah and it improves it dramatically when do you work on the business is that a specific time yeah so from about 5 a.m to 8 a.m is all my emails i'll get my inbox cleared if my admin lady hasn't done that already reply to the ones that i need to reply to if not pass them over and then from about eight till nine is i'll go to the gym or i'll take out my dogs take them out for a walk within that and then that way it, it sets me up for the day every friday till i think 11 a.m is yeah i'll work on the business nine times out of ten i don't have to have meetings on friday so it generally just pump out the business the whole day and our office manager works with me on that day as well so it's not just me working on it we kind of chuck ideas at each other and in that way she can implement them as well percent yes um, you said something really interesting just before that your office manager takes care of your emails in the morning so is that a buy back your time principle uh, yeah or- we're actually just in- implementing that as much as possible at the moment um i'd like to get it done a, a bit more um, but yeah, where she's managing my inbox and managing my calendar as well. Uh, all our guys have access to our calendar. If I need to be there, I need to be there. They can book something in. But if I don't, then they, they leave me out of it. So once they start managing the inbox, clearing the stuff out that they can handle, it's a game changer. 100% is your job as business owner to really actually build out good problem solvers so that you're in a position to have good leaders and yes. they're not going to be good problems of if they're not being exposed to all these problems. So you've got to have them take your inbox and that's that PSR principle, the one, three, one yes. comes to me with one problem, three potential solutions. So I know you've thought yeah. about it and it's my job to just help you make that one recommendation on what you yeah. should actually do. One, yeah. three, one or PSR problem solution recommendation. Yeah, we implement that, the, the PSR method throughout our company. All our guys know it. It's all in their handbooks. Everyone knows it. I always ask them, what would you do in my shoes? If you couldn't get a hold of me, okay, what's the call you're going to make? And then they did nine times out of 10, they make that call and be like, that's what I would have said. Yeah. And then that, that also trains them to think as well. And then I was like, oh, Sean told me not to call him essentially because he'll just pretty much do what I say. So yeah. And then that way, I try and I minimize my phone calls that I'm having as well. Mm-hmm. But obviously, if there's something that they need to touch base on, then they can obviously ring. Excellent. So how have you overseen your accountability of your people and your numbers and your process as you've grown so quickly? Is there a scorecard you look at? So we set out the amount of hours a job should take. Our foremans have the access to those hours. So they personally can track it. It is a target for them. So they can track it and be like, okay, we've been X amount of hours. We need to get this job done. So they hold themselves accountable. If we do go over hours, then, okay, let's look at what do we need to do so we don't go over hours. If they do come under hours, there's incentives in place for them, for the guys as well. And from the accountability side of things, who keeps me accountable? Is it my office manager? Because (laughs) essentially, well, I've got to be held accountable as well. And that's because just, that's just purely because we, everyone, we're a transparent company with like our guys with the hours and that side of things. And then also as well, a big thing that was huge for our company 
and I highly recommend this to anyone, is we actually did a workshop with our guys and taught them how a company runs. So we taught them about their profit and loss. Where And then we did the, a SWOT analysis on what can we do to make that profit and loss look better. And I didn't come up with that sort of stuff. It was come up with a team. And then that got them thinking, okay, if I reduce my hours on a job, how is that going to impact that net profit? Because a, a lot of people didn't know how a company run, as in from the financial side, and mm-hmm. how much of a big part they're playing within the numbers of our company. Totally, yeah. Because the business is just a vehicle for everyone to achieve their goals and ambitions. And if that vehicle is optimized correctly, then yes. it can serve the team, the owner, the clients well. But if it's not optimized correctly, and it's a bit of a shit show, it's not running profitable projects, then yeah. ain't no one getting their bonus, ain't no one getting paid what they're worth, owner included as well as team. It's really important to get everyone onto that same page plan. I've, I love it. Yeah, no, that's exactly true. I always look at it, and this is why I'll, I'll tell everyone, I am not the company. The The company is everyone that's ever paid a part in the company. So whether it be our guys on the ground, our marketing agency, our coaches, TBB, our clients, everyone is a part of it. I'm just a guy that kind of put it all together. And we reward our guys as well. Like just on Friday, we took them all out to a restaurant and had a late lunch and things like that. So I always make sure that our team and everyone around us is rewarded for it. So what is the communication rhythm that you have or that your foreman and project managers have to make sure that you guys are on top of timeline, budget, quality standards? Yeah, uh, essentially what I'll do is just before even the job starts, I'll go over the time allowed, the materials allowed, etc. With the, our foreman, I'll get them introduced to the, to the client prior. And then from throughout the job, every week, they'll touch base and send an overview of the week and how the week's tracked, what's, it's pretty much like a weekly site form that they just fill out and they can send it straight to us. If not, then we touch on our WhatsApp group that we have and I want what's been achieved that week and is, was there any issues, was there any holdups, etc. And then from there, I will have a formal meeting with the foreman and then we'll track how they've been going on the job and then do the accountability and then that way i know what is going i'm getting daily updates regardless anyway from either apprentice or foreman depending on who's doing it so i'll get daily updates and then i'll get an overall week one of how the week's gone who's been booked in what who's coming next on on site and then yeah and then we'll do a formal meeting in in the office not every week that's generally every month or every couple of months to hold that's their accountability. Mm, got it. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Awesome. And then the other one that, that we're um, quite big on is essentially how's the client feeling? Because obviously renovating or, or building can be a daunting, daunting task for them. So if they've had any interactions with the client, how is the client feeling? Are they feeling mm. okay? And we're happy to adapt our systems around that. Okay, let's say if the client wanted more than a fortnightly or more than a weekly update, okay, we need to do that because at the end of the day, that, that client is our next lot of business. He's going to refer someone to our business saying, okay, these guys have done a really good job. So we need yeah. to make sure that they're 100% happy. What does the next three, four, five years look like for you, Sean? So business plan for SAS is to actually get SAS down into other parts of New Zealand. As soon as we get a general manager up, 
up in Auckland here on for SAS, and the other businesses are going to just start scaling side by side with SAS once it gets to that certain level. Awesome, man. That's mm. very inspiring. And I think that what you're setting is uh, very attractive to attract top tier talent and mm. to attract like great people that don't just want to stand frames and rock up to work. They want to be part of something that is going in the right direction and something that's exciting and, and uh, that they can brag to their mates about. And that's what you're doing. You're doing a great job. What would you say to somebody that was where you were 12 months ago? Yeah. I just say, just give it a go. What's yeah? What's the worst that can happen? It is hard work, but you got to look at it for yeah, short term losses for long term gains. I'm going to be honest. It does test your family. It does test everyone around you. Test your friendships as well. But everyone's got to be within that vision of where you want to go. So within our company, even my partner, and pretty much everyone and like all our friends know of where we're going to take SAS and these companies that we're at, and. They've got to be a part of it. I don't want to just keep that to myself. It's they've got to be a part of it. They've got to know where it's going to go. They've got to buy in. And but we've got to make it be an absolutely awesome time along the way. Well done, man. Good fucking work. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that, and it's uh, all about them as well. And see, yeah, I'm just a guy putting it together. Awesome, dude. Thank you very much for your time. Appreciate you, and I look forward to seeing the progress over the next wee while. I met my now business partner in the construction company in Watumka when there was some downtown renovation work being done in Watumka for the HGTV show, actually, Small Town Takeover. Oh, really? Awesome. He was the project manager for the construction company doing a lot of the road work and became a fixture in town. And I made his acquaintance and he's a very knowledgeable guy about construction. So I said, Brent, you need to be in business doing this for yourself. And at that time, I had an office with a presence in Watumka. And he said, I don't know anything about taxes or bookkeeping or accounting or payroll. And I said, I don't know anything about construction. So uh, this ought to work out really well. And it has for that reason. Awesome. So you guys 50-50 partners or what's the structure? We are 50-50. The loose arrangement of duties, if it's in the air conditioning, I do it. And if it's in the sunshine, he does. Okay, gotcha. So do you guys have like a shareholder agreement, job descriptions? The legal entity is a pass-through LLC. So it's uh, literally 50% ownership by member. Uh, those two members, myself and Brent. We have discovered that not, I couldn't run the business without Brent and Brent couldn't do the business without me. We're both mm-hmm. very aware of the necessity of the actions of both members. It's Brent's one of the first partners I've ever had that actually had full cognition of the necessity of a back office. So what? where do you want to take the business? What are your goals? What do you want to get the company to? Originally, I came on to your company because it was new to me and I didn't know anything about construction. So I had no idea exactly how to bill, how to approach, how to contract in parallel with, in fact, everything's been, a lot of things have been good confirmation of the way that we stumbled into doing it. And then a lot of modifications were made to, we were told to search for some better contract software. I'm aware of the need for employee handbook and HR. So to a large part, we just needed a nudge in the right direction as we were launching off the rocket ship. It was it's the initial few hundred meters of flight that really make a difference. And so yeah, that's right. spending the money was worthwhile to us for that reason. Awesome. And what have been the, the biggest wins or I guess biggest takeaways so far as you've been implementing strategies? The engagement with you guys in particular was to ask certain questions about how we should approach billing. 
to get a verification on the margins that we were charging and to see what other people were doing and how they were doing and how they were quoting it. Sure. And, and what's been most insightful so far? To a large extent, it was confirmation of the margins that we were getting underbid the engagements initially. And I may have been pulling in 20 or, or 18 or 20 percent uh, gross margin on those projects. We've corrected that uh, through attrition as we've uh, lost some employees or moved them to other crews and added new employees. We've uh, brought their billing rates on at a, at a percent that gives us right at our standard retail rates. So we've got, we've read our target now on what we're billing the time for on those. And it's, it's, we're not your typical or your biggest client by any stretch. Our target for the end of the year is to have done a million dollars in business. And we'll probably be 20% over that. So we're a $1.2 million a year company after 12 months. And I suspect strongly it'll be $3 million the, the year after that based on pace. Uh, so I, I've had a good look at your notes and I've noticed there's a couple of things that could be big opportunities. One of those is around, as you grow, transitioning to doing bigger jobs. Bigger jobs, yes. And the other one is growing your pipeline with the right marketing. Right. you want to talk a little bit about, well, you know, or got any questions that you want to ask me? I'll tell you an approach that I would love critique upon. We've got our, from that mail out, we generated a lead on a what is probably going to be a $200,000 two-car garage, which the, the lead indicated to me today is going to be even a bigger project. It's going to put a bedroom bath upstairs in that garage and add a true internal staircase instead of the the ship stairs on the side of the two-car garage. Uh, so long story short, we were asked a couple of questions that we weren't even prepared for, but the answers were what he wanted. He asked us partway through the discussion, and then we said on the way over there, we're going to talk to this guy as if we're about to start this job. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. not going to ask him if he wants us to do it. We're just going to explain to him Shoot that when out. we get started, we're going to back on it. Uh, he asked us, he said, so y'all will do the framing. And we looked at each other and yeah, we'll do the slab, we'll do the framing, we'll do the sheetrock, we'll do everything, possibly with a sub on the roof. And so he was pleased at that answer. He said, so one of y'all, that was his next question. He said, so one of y'all will be here every day work is being done. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, yes, let me explain to you about how we do things. We, our supervisors wear tool belts. They don't sit in the truck and play on their phone. They're actually out there knowing how to do every man's job that's on their crew, mm-hmm. leading every single day that there's work being done there. I said, even on days when a subcontractor is present, there will be a project manager or superintendent level employee on this job. I said, and one more thing, once we start your job, we'll be out here every day that work can be done on it perpetually until it's finished. And my business partner said, yeah, we can have this two-car garage done, including site prep in 90 days. So I Looked at him and took his word for it. It's a pretty healthy build. But Brent said, yeah, if we're working on it and the weather's good, we can have it done in 90 days. So I believe that we're already out of the gate, the leading, if the guy's even been able to talk to anybody else, the leading available GC to do this work. And Brent's built some fantastic properties. And Sam is an artist, our craftsman. He's built some very high-end homes in the past as well, himself when he was running his own company. So are there plans plans drawn up for it or... Now we get to the part that I was going to look for guidance on. Yeah. So I now have a stamp set of blueprints, mm-hmm. architecturally stamped set of blueprints, pending some modifications, which will again be stamped and engineered. I obviously 
we need to give the guy a price, an estimate, a true estimate of how much it will cost him for this project. My inclination is to present it to him as a time and materials open book cost plus bid Mm -hmm. with an estimate of precisely what I expect our cost to be. And again, this is the part I'm looking for critique upon. And I will get an estimate on that set of plans my intention is from three different sources. My business partner, Brent, is confident of his ability to estimate the amount of labor required. Yep. Our onboard estimator, Pamela, who's uh, an insurance adjuster in the past for buildings, so she knows how to estimate a property uh, and has been very good at it uh, in the past within several, just a handful of percent of the actual final go off. Uh, the two of them will come up with an estimate. Uh, on what it will cost my company, Insight Construction, to build that two-car garage. Then I was going to use our new platform builder trend and produce a National Association of Home Builders template with a 25% markup above cost, explaining it precisely as a markup. And obviously that would produce us a 20% margin on that project. Mm -hmm. And so I will explain to them exactly what I'm doing when I present that proposal to them. I'm taking what I estimate to be our cost, marking it at 25%, which will give us a 20% margin on your project. And that results in uh, $40,000 on a $200,000 two-car garage. So that's a perfectly acceptable cash flow for engaging one of our teams for a 90-day period. So my first estimate source would be that pair Mm-hmm. my business partner and Pamela. There's another GC in Montgomery, a city that I grew up in, not very far from us, 30 minutes away from the office, that is a consultant and commercial GC. i uh, been one for a long time. Uh, I trust him. I uh, ask him as a consultant, could you take a set of plans and produce a, a cost for us in Procore, his software, mm-hmm. and give us uh, materials takeoff, uh, estimated need for labor, and what would that cost? And his name's Mike. Uh, I'll, he quoted us uh, $125 an hour, estimating it would take him four hours to produce that estimate. And I said, uh, make it steps. twice. Yeah, that's real cheap. And I said, make it twice that rate, but let me sit there and watch you do it. And you can explain to me each step of the way. He said, sure. So a lot of times you Brilliant. Uh, Brilliant. wouldn't want somebody watching how the breakfast is made, but in his case, he's yeah. excited about showing me the process. Uh, he's probably the only person on the planet that talks more and faster than I do, but he uh, he's excited about showing us that process. And then the third potential source for an estimate on this property would be will you a commercial super, Any of your supers forecast the labor or that's what Brent will do? Brent. Brent's truly a good estimator in that regard as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, just out of pure experience, he'll stare at a set of plans, make some notes on a yellow pad, and we'll come up with a number that is accurate. And he's done that for commercial and residential work. The third source, onebuild.com, quoted us $930 to do a full materials takeoff and estimate using localized prices for that job. And since it's a learning experience for us on this first one, I figured I don't mind spending a little to ensure that we're on the right path. And even if we spend an extra Fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars on an estimate for this project. In the grand scheme of things, you're setting up the, frame, of- the framework for your forecasting and estimating going forward. I think yeah, it's I just think that it would help me know 
what to expect when I see an estimate from any of those one sources compared to the other two if I just chose and by with those three sources you're going to get incremental improvements from each of them to your templated process very possibly and not being in the construction business prior to October of last year it will be enlightening to me to yeah. see what the results are of those three sources 100% I think it's perfect John perfect the exact way to go about doing it I'm sure that my business partner, Brent, will give a little pushback to spending any more than we have to, but he's seen the results. If you frame up to him, our goal is to come out with a templated approach for how we bid, estimate, and bid for projects. And we're going to come out with a pricing template, and then we're going to back cost as we go through the job in real time against that pricing template. And we're going to break it down by stage. We're going to break it down by materials. And we're going to break it down by labor hours. The guys are going to report their labor hours each week in the toolbox meetings. And then in our construction meeting that we have in the office, we're going to look at materials, forecasting, scheduling to see how on track we are with our work in progress. And that is precisely the approach we're taking. And if we have to pay for a few estimates, we do. But we... Haven't in this area, there's not a lot of implementation about uh, being paid for estimates or being paid for proposals. Uh-huh. In the municipal world, it doesn't exist. And in the wealthy landowners that we're going after on the other side of things, it's probably not been broached to them in that regard. Now, in our case, uh, we haven't had to because we're not doing that many estimates. Uh, the, the suggestions, guidance, and whatnot that you guys have provided about charging for estimates. And I like the way it's labeled. I think it was uh, charging for initial budgetary analysis or something along those lines. Uh, Mm -hmm. Definitely is something that I'm always thinking about. And at some point as we grow, it very likely could begin to implement, uh, particularly as we're one of the remaining few in the area that's uh, even willing to show up to give an estimate. It could be a a loophole. 100%. I think there's a a few things that will help significantly with your marketing. One is getting video testimonials and case studies of the bigger jobs that you're doing currently that you want to do more of. So these people become your raving fans, your advocates, and then you've got examples that you can put in your info pack. So when you show up to do the next $250,000 job, before you go there, the prospect has seen your information pack because he's got questions. So if he gets the info pack in advance and he sees case studies, he sees how we work with you, he sees your rules on site, he sees how the project's going to be built, etc. That helps put you in the box seat and you're not having to do a triple sell when you're there because he's already educated by seeing this info pack and it's helping overcome all those concerns. It'll have you guaranteed. It'll have past jobs that you'll have done. It'll show that you guys are a GC with a whole team that provide this full one-stop shop, this one-stop service, as opposed to just a single contractor with a lot of sub-trades and subcontractors. So I think you have a massive opportunity to demonstrate within that document and within your marketing process, your differentiation, which is going to allow you to win more jobs, increase your margin and increase your profit by getting that all into an info pack and then how we work with you video and video testimonials. I 
look forward to having material to put in that info pack. I'm hoping that two-car yeah. garage is our yeah. first feather. Yeah. Awesome. And you can get a lot of the other stuff done, like your team, history, process, how we work with you, et cetera. And then all we really need to add as you go, each of those highlighted projects, those star projects that are your dream ideal that you want to get a lot more of. So what marketing do you currently have in play? I think that's a big opportunity is to build out your pipeline and build it out with bigger potential projects so that you don't have to do as much estimating. You're spreading your overheads over way bigger jobs as opposed to having to do lots more bidding, lots more estimating, and lots more site visits to actually get to your $3 million. We don't have a real problem currently filling the pipeline. We're able to take two steps forward and a step backwards occasionally because we do have some ongoing perpetual jobs where we can keep our guys busy. We're not living and dying by needing another project on the horizon in order to feel comfortable with the future. In this case, we're really going to focus hard on that two-car garage Awesome. Look for additional leads that come from that mail-out brochure. We have a whole lot more addresses to send that brochure to. There's probably seven or 8,000 homes that are worth sending that brochure to, and we've only sent it to 900 so far. We're taking it slow because it's not growth at all costs. We have good margins, so we can A-B experiment. We can see how well that brochure does uh, framed in one way, and then the cover letter might be a totally different approach. How has your mindset changed going through the program? I have lost every capacity in my body for micromanagement simply because there's too much to micromanage at this point. So yeah. I have had to turn things over and, and wince yeah. and cringe as I see them done, not quite as perfectly as I'd like done. So my mindset has been steered away through necessity and also direction and training. Yeah. On Delegate, to micromanagement. Delegate to elevate, particularly in your position with mul- multiple businesses you need to be hiring the people, putting in place the systems for them to follow, and then the management meetings and the scorecards so we know, hey, they're doing it the way they should be done. We're getting the results that we should be. And I have clarity and accountability through visibility of meetings once a week, construction meeting, toolbox meeting, and foreman or super meeting. And then I have visibility and accountability through the reports or the scorecard for each of those key roles. I have put into play precisely that. We have never had a meeting that didn't produce some good result. I love it. I love it, my man. All right. And what advice would you give to other builders who are wanting to take their business to the next level? Uh, Don't be a whiny little bitch. Uh, Yeah, I love it. (laughs) I have, I'm stunned. I love the the program that you guys have put in place. And again, predominantly, what I have taken away from the program and to a large extent is confirmation of the approach we've taken. Uh, I even published a spreadsheet on the Facebook that uh, mm-hmm. it took a lot of refining to determine what our true cost is on what it cost us for an employee to be on the job for a day. And yep. we use that as our base cost uh, when we're quoting jobs. So well, now I, there's no doubt in my mind that I, we're making money. And I did not have that confidence before I came onto the program. So I really had, I wasn't going to be a whiny little bitch. I still didn't have any idea exactly how to do what needed to be done. So there's been a lot of good uh, material and direction provided on that aspect. Awesome. Uh, Time management. Yeah. You work till uh, it's time to go home. And we do have a policy in our company where our employees don't take the work home. Our supervisors don't take the work home. 
and no one works on the weekend except for rare cases. And it's given an option with a massive encouragement uh, bonus wise to do. Like we had this past week, we did a $10,000 job that took 15 hours by four of our fast movers on replacing siding for a school. It had to be done on the weekend because it couldn't be done while that school was in session. And the company, that's like at a 75 or 80% margin in reality, but we're going to award most of that out, most of that out to the guys that did it. And uh, a lot of times we call that the golden handcuffs because they wouldn't entertain a job offer from anyone else when there's stuff like that floating around. Yeah. We, we persistently give out cash envelopes uh, as often as we can. In this business, it's hard enough to find good 1099 employees to do stuff that actually have workers comp and whatnot. So we try yeah. to keep everything as above board as possible. Awesome. All right. I believe mm-hmm. that we can probably make real good use of what we've learned over the 90 days, touch base on a regular basis and see where we are uh, gross revenue and receipts wise. But I suspect strongly that once we are in that three to $5 million range, that um, I will again have questions that this rocket's now left the stratosphere and we need to guide it uh, around the planet a few times. So yeah, hundred percent, my man. I, I look forward to hearing of your success and it's been great talking today and yeah, if we can help in any way, we're here to help and here to help you smash out of the park, John. All right. Very good. Enjoy talking to you, sir. All right. Have a great day. Cheers, bud. Likewise. Thank you, bud. See ya. And so big aspect that we focus on is your business maturity date and systems and how they buy back your team. So brings us a nice segue into today's topic, which is all about on-site systems and in particular, a quality assurance checklist and how can you get your guys to step up, work well, even when you're not there. If we look at the builder's ladder, we go from survival, stability, scale, and success. And we've got all the skills on the right-hand side, rather, cash flow, forecasting, clear vision, clear plan. But on the left-hand side, we have identity. So that 0-2 mil is like a builder where you're putting out fires, you're fixing problems. That next level, businessman, that 2-8 to mil, is where you're really thinking about systems, process, and how do I solve this through a person and a process, not me running in to put out the fire. And lastly, the entrepreneur level where you're creating true wealth in terms of other assets. Yeah, if you could, it's a bit long-winded, but if you could speak to it a little bit around systems on-site and so forth. Yeah, so quite often we see members come to us and they're trying to do it all themselves. And that might have gotten from where they were to where they are, but it's rarely going to help them go to the nut to another level or the next level, whatever that might look like. Most of the guys that we work with are wanting to buy back their time, improve their profits, grow their company, or stabilize it at a level that they're comfortable with and make sure that it works for them, not them for it. So that means that they have to stop doing certain things that got them to where they are and start doing things to help them build that next version of the company. And in terms of the builder's ladder, at the bottom, you're a busy builder. Most people will solve problems with these two things, their own hands. They'll jump in, they'll fix it, they'll get it done. Nobody can do it quite like me. I'm probably the best person on site. All these stories that we tell ourselves, okay? And they'll get their hands dirty, they'll get stuck in, and they'll solve problems. And that's one route to success. But to go to another level and to build a business that is resilient, that's profitable, that's predictable, you're going to have to solve things through the lens of being a business owner, not a busy builder. So a business owner is going to solve problems through people and process. They're going to have find, hire, train, coach, course correct, the right people, 
and they're going to give them the tools to be successful, the right process. Now, you can invent those processes yourself or you can swipe and deploy and uh, borrow our processes. But the point remains the same. For you to go from being busy builder to being business owner, you're going to have to focus on people and process. And that's what we're going to ch uh, cover off a little bit of today. The processes that you need on site so that you can leverage yourself from the day to day so you can step away from projects on an actual hour to hour basis so that you're able to work on the business for a couple of days a week so that you can actually elevate above the company and work on and above it rather than in it day to day with the problems up against your eyes like that, not knowing exactly where the wood from the trees are. So what's the key system that we're going to focus on today, Marty? So the key system is called the 287 point quality assurance checklist. Before we jump into that, a good thing to basically ask yourself this question. Do any of these apply to me currently? So do I find myself being pulled back onto site to fix problems? Do I find myself firefighting, answering questions, putting out fires, etc.? Am I wondering why my team can't step up? Why I can't find any great guys? I think a big thing then is to go, if you've answered yes to any of those, is to think, what existing systems and processes do I have that run a project the way that it should be run. So from pricing the job, to site setup checklists, to fixtures and fittings, to scheduling. And if you don't set up a system for that, particularly a quality assurance checklist, then guess what? The person who cares the most and who is the most vested in the business, i.e. the owner, is the person whose shoulders all that concern and so forth is going to fall onto. Big time. As the business grows, the pressure is going to come on your people and your process. But you're going to have great people, but everybody's going to get speed wobbles now and then. And if they don't have a safety net, they don't have a safety harness to fall back onto, i.e. a process or a system, then when they get the speed wobbles, they're going to fumble the ball, upset a client, timeline, project management, profit. It's all going to be eroded away, that trust, that credibility, that uh, profit margin. So that's why these are so important. Today... We're going to dig into this 287 quality assurance checklist. There's a truckload there. That's why this one's often a really good one to start with because the reality is if you get this one wrong, you're going to be pulled back onto site quite a fair bit. And we want to make sure that you're not. You have the ability to manage the business from above it and uh, work on the business rather than in it. And you can't do that if you're always on site. You're always answering questions. So that's why we're going to start with the quality control checklist. And as you can see, we've got 18 pages broken into a number of different stages, all right? And it's a really simple sort of checklist to start at and use with your team. So I guess if we can be as descriptive as possible, we'll explain this. If you're watching it on YouTube, awesome. We'll give you a link where you can download this at the end. That literally is a game changer. And we'll describe it as much as possible for audio so you can understand exactly what we're showing you on screen. Yeah, exactly. So. The way that our members approach this is you want to strike out the ones that don't apply and you want to add in the ones that do. If you want to refine it down from 287 points and get it far more dialed in for your specific stage of the project, then you can do that as well. But the point should be that you end up with a really clear line in the sand so that you're able to hold the guys to account and they're able to understand what is required for each stage of the project. When this is in place, you can use it as a management tool and you can just turn up the site, you can hold it up and you can be like, mate, come on, we need to be passing this at 95% first time round. I'm going to come back tomorrow and I expect it to be fully updated. Or I'm going to come back later today and I expect it to be fully updated. Rather than you playing grumpy bugger and having this vague esoteric chat about quality, make sure that everybody's on the same page. How do you start using this? You sell it to your team 
by showing them how you're going to implement it on site into a project. And it's a great tool to land more sales at a higher margin because you're not just showing saying, hey, we do great work, have a look at some of our stuff. You're saying, here's the systems that we have to ensure that this gets done to a world-class level. And it's also a great document for at the end of the job with a client to go through and show them exactly how well the, the job was done. Yeah, 100%. What I would add to that as well is you're bang on the money. It's an excellent sales tool, but it's also an excellent uh, training tool as well. So for example, I would have every single foreman and also some of the apprentices as I'm training them go through it because as the business owner, you've already got so much responsibility. It's actually not your responsibility to provide perfect systems over to the team. Systems are editable, systems innovate, systems iterate over time. And that's why you not often need the person that's closest to the problem participating in some of the improvements of the system. So I would go through our 287.1, edit it as you see fit, and then hand it over to the foreman and or whoever you're wanting to train and have them edit it as well. Participation leads to commitment. And the more they can participate in the process of improving the systems on site, owning the systems on site, the better they will understand them and the more they will use them and actually participate and commit to the whole process. So really important that we hand that over so that we get some participation and get some feedback on it. And the value, there's another phrase that we like to use and it's that the value is in the planning, not in the plan. If you just pass over the plan to the foreman and they're like, yeah, cool, thanks. I got a quality control checklist, like looks great. Then something goes wrong they're not going to fully understand how to pivot the plan and make it work for them, right? If they have participated in the planning of like these are things that we should look out for at this stage of the build in terms of quality control, then they're going to have a much better understanding of the whole context and scope of what is required for each stage. So they should participate in the planning because that is where the value is. The value is not just being given a 200-point checklist, right? The value is in them understanding the checklist and being in a position to improve it, edit it, update it, and own it through a job, right? That comes from uh, the Mike Tyson quote. Everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Everyone's cool with the plan until it has to change and they get punched in the face by the proverbial weather delays, labor shortages, material delays, or whatever else goes on site that's going to throw the schedule off. And if they don't, have, they haven't participated in the planning, then that punch in the face is going to fully send them off course. If they have participated in the planning, then they're going to know how to pivot the plan, improve the plan, and change it to fit the new set of criteria that's going on. So that's another approach that I would use to getting this in, into play with your team. And rather than it just being a one-off fizzle, whiz bang, fantastic, to an actual consistent used every stage, every project, pass the responsibility over to the team to use it by having them participate in the planning process of it. A hundred percent. Participation involvement leads to commitment. And so this is just one of many steps. This is not the complete solution to productivity and high performance on site. We ran through about 16 different key strategies and systems that we have for on-site productivity. And this is a great step in the right direction. It's easy to get into play. It's simple to take action on. It's going to help massively with ownership. And also with the sales process, ability to 
land jobs at a higher margin. If we sum up, build a business, not a job. So systems run the business. We hire and train the people to run the systems. And then we as the owner or the leader of the business, give them the guide rail so they can run faster. And this is one of those guide rails. Second thing, most building company owners, general contractors are working way too hard, going in circles, overwhelmed, putting out fires, dealing with phone calls, being pulled back onto site. And this is one of those key steps in having your team take ownership of each of these aspects. If you get this right, and this is just one part of the whole A to Z of operations of the complete architecture of a successful building or residential contracting company, if you just install one system a week, your business will look massively different over the next 90 days, let alone where it could be in 12 months' time. So it's all about identifying where are those biggest frustrations, which hole should we plug in the bucket first, and this is a massive one for you taking ownership. You can also tie the incentive scheme of your foreman to the quality assurance and the productivity on site. Yeah, so get those screenshots of the wins, less fires, less headaches, get your team to step up, happy clients, use it in your sales process. It's going to be a game changer if you implement this with your foreman and with your team. Awesome. So if you want to get yourself a copy of this, really easy to do, available for download, or you just need to message us directly and say 287. 287. We'll know what you're talking about. That's part of the 287 point quality control checklist. And we can send that through to you directly. Yeah, easy to get in place, easy to get results from. One of the first steps that you need to take in leveraging yourself from site, getting out of some of the day to day operations and putting out fires, and so that you can step up and above the business that you can work on and above. Without this tool, it's a real nightmare. You're often pushing shit uphill. So here's to your success. Download it below or message us directly, 287. We're happy to get in touch and help you put it in place. Take care.